1: Good morning, this is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Governor Gavin Newsom has declared a statewide drought emergency covering all of the state's 58 counties. The governor is appealing to Californians to reduce their water use by 15%. He says he'd like it to be voluntary, but his proclamation says that the state might adopt mandatory emergency steps to save water, like prohibiting the hosing down of sidewalks or streets. According to data released by the state, Californians have failed to come close to meeting the request for a 15% reduction in water usage in both July and August. Turning to the pandemic, thousands of unvaccinated L.A. city workers may have until December to get the mandated shots. But if they remain unvaccinated, it could take a bite out of their paychecks. Here's KPCC's Jackie Fortier with the details.
0: L.A. passed an ordinance in August requiring all of the city's roughly 50,000 employees to get the COVID 19 vaccine, but thousands haven't gotten the shots. Under a plan that will go before the L.A. City Council next week, unvaccinated city employees will have $65 deducted from their paycheck twice a week to cover the cost of testing for the virus on their own time. Employees have until this evening to apply for a medical or religious exemption, but they may have to pay for the testing until their exemption is approved. City has been meeting with labor unions for weeks, but the resolution says they've reached a stalemate. If the plan is approved, city employees who don't show proof that they are vaccinated by December 18th will face, quote, immediate corrective action. 70% of LA city workers are at least partially vaccinated, up from half last month. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los
1: Angeles. People who are unhoused tend to have lower COVID vaccination rates than the rest of the population. That could be because of suspicion of authorities in the healthcare system or the relative social isolation of the homeless. So what can be done to change that and get more people vaccinated? Well, in Los Angeles County, a program has been started to enlist some unhoused people as vaccination ambassadors. UCLA Assistant Professor Chelsea Shover is leading this project in partnership with Los Angeles County and is also studying its effectiveness. And she joins us now. Thanks for joining us, Chelsea.
3: Oh, thanks for having me.
1: So could you talk a little bit more about the program itself? How does it work?
3: So the idea is that, you know, we know from other types of public health that people tend to trust folks from their own community when making a highly personal decision, uh, such as getting the COVID vaccine. And the idea with this program that we started is basically to have a very low barrier way for people who have already been vaccinated to engage their community. And the idea is basically the county's team is out there doing vaccines that nurses and EMTs, and then they have community health workers, many of whom themselves do have a lived experience of homelessness, but they're working full time for the county now. The peer ambassadors, it's basically you show up to the event and you see someone who's been vaccinated already and you offer them a chance to just join us for an hour, join us for the day. And talk to your neighbors, and then we you know we pay people because it's a study we're able to compensate people with gift cards, and so people get paid twenty five dollars an hour for their time, and they just work as part of our team and it really helps start conversations with people
1: and is the major barrier there just kind of a, a general suspicion of the healthcare establishment or is it just sheer isolation just because of where people are geographically you know uh, living by the side of the freeway or in a riverbed or what have you which one of those are are the largest challenge or or are they both pretty equal
3: i think one of our recent peer ambassadors said it best which was sort of you're not going to undo a lifetime of being let down by Government systems and healthcare and bad experiences—you're not going to undo that in, in a five-minute conversation, which is absolutely true. That's a big part of it. You know, it, it is our goal for people to get vaccinated because that is the—you know—that's the, our way out of the pandemic. But you know, our, our primary goal is that everyone does have a chance to learn about it and you know be empowered to make that decision. And that's why you know we really are focusing on the accessibility aspect of it. But the peer ambassadors help us bridge the trust thing, for sure.
1: All right. That is UCLA Assistant Professor Chelsea Shover, who's leading this project in partnership with Los Angeles County. Thanks so much for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews
0: with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
1: Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You got special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. In other news, a record number of cargo ships are idling off the Southern California coast. As of Tuesday, 100 vessels were waiting to unload their cargo at the Twin Ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach. The California Report's Angela Corral has more.
4: LA Port Executive Director, Gene Siroca says those 100 ships translate into about 200,000 containers, which is more than five times as many vessels as would typically be anchored offshore before the pandemic. Just last week, President Biden announced that dock workers at the L.A. port would start working 24-7 to help alleviate the backlog of cargo, but that measure hasn't been implemented yet. Meanwhile, the Port of Oakland is calling on shipping lines to send their vessels up north. Port spokesman Robert Bernardo says there's no congestion in Oakland. Here in Oakland, we have zero vessels waiting at anchor. So, I mean, that's a stark contrast to what's going on in Southern California. We haven't experienced backlog since August, so we see ourselves as part of the solution to stabilize this supply chain and really ease pressure off of other ports that are congested right now. Bernardo says our online shopping habits are responsible for much of the slowdown. I think the pandemic has forever changed the way people buy products online and how cargo is handled Uh, during last-mile delivery with the addition of warehouses. So now delivery has been slowed down, and it's going to take a while for the supply chain to adjust to this. The Port of Oakland is only working at half capacity right now, says Bernardo, and it has the staff and equipment to handle more. All that's needed are the ships. For the California Report, I'm Angela Corral.
1: The Los Angeles Police Department is calling the proliferation of homemade ghost guns an epidemic. The city has seen at least 100 violent crimes tied to ghost guns this year and a 400% increase in the number of these firearms in the city since 2017. The guns can typically be built using kits at home and are virtually untraceable. LAPD Chief Michael Moore says detectives believe one ghost gun was used last week when a 14-year-old allegedly shot an officer in South L. A. The presence of firearms in the hands of our people. This is, I believe, one of our most significant challenges of trying to counter. Police say the increase in ghost guns has coincided with an increase in violent crimes in the city. In August, the Los Angeles City Council took a major step toward banning the possession, purchase, and transportation of ghost guns, ordering the city attorney's office to draft an ordinance on the weapons. Meanwhile, the San Diego County Board of Supervisors voted yesterday to develop its own ordinance that would ban ghost guns and prohibit the sale and distribution of the parts used to make them. The descendants of some of Southern California's early pioneers are trying to save their ancestors' crumbling home. KVCR's Megan Jamerson has this report from Southern California's Inland Empire, where a farming town was founded when California was still part of Mexico.
2: On an industrial street in the city of Riverside, delivery trucks rumble past a small wooden building. Trujillo Adobe, built over 150 years ago in 1862. But that's not how Nancy Melendez first knew it. It was just Grandma's house. Melendez is a descendant of the man that built the adobe, Lorenzo Trujillo. As we enter the wooden structure that protects it, she shares the home stayed in her family until 1957, when her great grandmother decided it was time to live somewhere with indoor plumbing.
5: I would come and spend the night with Grandma, and, and it was a beautiful place. Um, And it seems so huge to me, you know, and I used to sit in that window,
2: in the windowsill, and read my books. She's pointing to what's left of her great-grandmother's home, which is only three adobe walls held up by supports. The county of Riverside bought the property in 1977 with the intention of creating a local historic park. But then there were budget cuts and bad weather. The roof collapsed, followed by the fourth mud brick wall. It was Murphy's Law. If anything could go wrong it did. Melendez and her cousins are behind a grassroots effort started around a decade ago to save the adobe and revive park plants. They also created the Spanish Town Heritage Foundation to raise awareness of this part of California's history. It's the history of Riverside. And when I like to call it Riverside's
5: prehistory. prehistory. Um, but there was this community that was here. And these people, our people, that are still here.
2: The story starts in the 1800s, when Trujillo was born in New Mexico, a Genesaro a Native American raised in a Spanish household, most likely not by choice. As an adult, he led 10 local families over 1,200 miles to accept a promise of owning the land Melendez is standing on now. Quickly, the area became the largest non-Native Hispanic settlement between Santa Fe, New Mexico and Los Angeles, along an old Spanish trade route. And the adobe is all that remains.
5: And so we said, well, how can we... Get this story out because no one knows.
2: This work has the support of Riverside County's Parks Department, which is renewing its commitment to raising awareness to the many ways minority communities have shaped the region, says County Historic Preservation Officer Tony Perucci. He says the adobe recognizes early settler history, but also... It
3: can tell the
0: story of that north side neighborhood, which was largely Hispanic, you know, actually throughout the 20th century, um... And we don't have historic resources that are able to tell that narrative.
2: The biggest challenge has been finding the millions of dollars it will take. During Perucci's three years in the role, he's worked closely with Nancy Melendez and the Spanish Town Heritage Foundation as they seek out private donations and make the case for state and federal funding. The adobe is now written into the county's development plans. And this year, it was named one of America's 11 most endangered historic places, says Perucci.
0: This is very much you know, the adobe's time to shine.
2: For Melendez and her cousins, they will continue the work of sharing the story to anyone willing to listen, including local third graders. They do school presentations on the adobe where they share the names of the settlement's first families, like the Peñas, Trujillos, Bacas, and Espinozas, says Melendez. Little eyes light up, little hands shoot up and say,
5: that's my name! that's my cousin's name, that's my aunt's name.
2: The local park would ensure generations can engage with this history and learn their place in it, says Melendez.
5: And it is empowering because we have been made to feel that um, we don't belong, and we do, and that's important. It's, it's just, we need to knock down barriers that prevent us from communicating with one another. And
2: understanding one another. Because knowing our history, or where we come from, says Melendez, is the only way to know where we are headed. For The California Report, I'm Megan Jamerson in Riverside.
1: And finally this morning, we've grown accustomed to seeing pretty amazing images of the surface of Mars sent back by NASA's landers and rovers. But what about the sounds of the red planet? Well, this week, NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory near Pasadena posted a series of sound files on the web recorded by two microphones aboard its Perseverance rover. Here's the sound of Martian wind hitting the microphone. And here's the sound of the rover's metallic wheels rolling over the Martian surface the sounds of driving on another world. You can listen to more by going to JPL's website. The Perseverance rover is exploring Mars' Jezero crater. One of its missions is to look for signs of early microbial life on the planet. And back here on Earth, that's the California Report for Wednesday, October 20th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. Support
4: for the California Report comes from Personal Capital helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor, personalcapital.com. SFMOMA, presenting the world premiere of Joan Mitchell, a stunning retrospective of over 80 works by the trailblazing painter who made art on her own terms. Learn more at sfmoma.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment just societies and opportunities for human
3: achievement i am sasha coca host of the california report magazine every week we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant diverse golden state because what happens in california changes the world
0: i love this place we were once seen as like the place to be california